Welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Bikes and Big Ideas is presented by CBG Trails. The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Selecting the right mountain bike is tricky. There are a zillion bikes out there from dozens of different companies. And as you've probably noticed, bikes aren't exactly cheap. And even within a particular company's own lineup, it can be difficult to quickly determine the differences between all the various options, let alone which one or two models might work best for you. So this week, I'm talking with Blister reviewers Dylan Wood, David Golay, and Luke Kappa about our new Blister brand guide to mountain bikes, why we saw a need to put out these guides, what we hope it accomplishes for mountain bikers everywhere, and the general trends and takeaways we've seen so far in the process of building these guides. Let's get to it. Well, gentlemen, here we are. I think to get started, it's probably right to ask Dylan Wood, how are you feeling these days? I'm feeling pretty good. I've been better, but I'm doing all right. Do you want to talk about how you wrapped yourself around an Aspen recently, for those who don't know? Yeah. So I was up at Crest of Butte for the collegiate downhill race last weekend, and I was going down the racetrack, had a really good practice run, and I was going from the bottom of the racetrack to the base, a trail I've ridden probably 90 times this summer and clipped a tree on the right side, essentially pinball into a tree on the left and broke my pelvis and rib and did some bad things to my lung. So time has mostly been on the computer rather than on the bike lately. Which is really gracious of you (laughs) to free yourself up like that to work on these brand guides. You also look a lot better than you did when I got the text from you, like, yo, I'm in the clinic and I came down to find tubes up your nose and IVs everywhere and that kind of thing. So yeah, you're looking good, relatively speaking. Yeah, well, I feel a lot better from that point as well. And yeah, one of the first thoughts that happened after I hit the tree is, man, well, at least I'll have more time to work on the bike brand guides. <laughs> this, is, this is the right thought. David Golay, uh, speaking of injuries, you're actually further along on the mend and, and back riding bikes. Is that right? Yeah, been back mountain biking for a little more than a month now. Been kind of a long road. I had a tibial plateau fracture in my left knee skiing at the beginning of April. So uh, my summer was four months on crutches and whole bunch of fun like that, but I am back on a bike now. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. We should, um, apparently do less skiing and biking around here. Try to stay in one piece. That's why I'm going fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Just fishes now. Um, that does sound safer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, speaking of which you actually, Luke literally got back from fishing just before walking in here, right? Yeah. I'm one of the few people, I guess, who's 
not injured right now, probably because we've been stuck behind computers all day, every day for about two or three months <laughs> working yeah. on our buyer's guide, but finally got let loose over the past two days, went skiing, biking, and fishing all in 24 hours, which is nice. <laughs> Making up for lost time. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you all being here. The goal today is to give a bit of an explanation about why we've been doing these and rolling out these mountain bike brand guides. David, why don't you get us started? Why are we rolling these things out? So the idea with these brand guides, which are definitely a very different beast than the normal traditional blister reviews, is to just compile a bunch of high-level information about all of the different bikes that a whole bunch of brands offer into one place where it's easier to read and digest and have on one page as opposed to clicking through company's website trying to find all of the different bits of general information about a bike. So the idea here is certainly not that it is in any way a replacement for proper reviews of anything, but more like it's a way to narrow down the list of bikes that you might want to go get more information on and read the full reviews of by listing just bikes kind of categorized by intended use and then having a handful of the most direct competitors for any particular bike to help narrow that search down a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was in the bike buying process like a few months ago and combing through hundreds of product pages on websites like all the information is usually there for the most part some websites are not very useful at all but it usually requires a ton of time and effort and knowledge to kind of decipher it all like there are certain brands that lists like every build kit for a certain model as a different product and so I have like 30 tabs open at one time and I'm flipping back and forth and like, okay, this bike gets these brakes and this one gets different wheels and all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've personally found these guides really useful even, even after going through the regular bike buying process previously. And I think that's a good sign for us. I mean, getting a bunch of info all in one place to make this task a lot quicker and kind of highlighting key points like, um, all the different build kits and which ones we think make the most sense if like your budget is your top priority or if you want a really nice balance of kind of cost and performance I would have found that super useful a few months ago um, so I've been I've been very happy with them so far Dylan you've been doing a lot of heavy lifting on these brand guides yeah kind of going with what both of these guys have said a lot of bike brands have really great websites that are really easy to read and some other websites are pretty terrible and frustrate the crap out of me. And that's kind of something I learned making these is I remember one day I was going through, I forget which brand, I was looking at their website and I was like, this is like so hard. Why am I doing this? And I was like, wait a second, that's exactly why I'm doing this. Is that so other people don't have to? And Like Luke was saying, it can be confusing on a lot of brands' websites 
whether or not this is simply a different build kit or a whole different bike entirely. So I think it was really helpful to kind of put those all together into one bike. And a lot of the incentive for the format of all of this has come from my experience working at a bike shop and having customers come in and asking a lot of the questions that I was thinking when putting this all together and making it really easy for bike consumers. Yeah, and I think it was interesting. We had a couple comments come in on the site that when we started rolling these uh, brand guides out and they were kind of like, wait, yo, what's going on here? This is not what you guys do at Blister. And, and I think this is, again, why we're having this conversation now, just to clarify this. But yeah, this isn't what we do. And yet, one of the reasons we were really interested in doing this, I think we've, I think you guys have just talked well about the, the need here. And I think it can be easy in the bike world for people to kind of lose sense of how difficult it can be to get into this world. And once you really, really are in the weeds and you know every latest model out from every manufacturer, yeah, this guide isn't necessarily for you. And yet the irony is you guys just said how useful it was. And I would say that you guys have a better handle on what's going on from various manufacturers than the vast majority of mountain bikers out there. So anyway, it was kind of interesting to kind of get, see these comments on the site, like, what is this? This isn't the typical, I think someone said, uh, edifying content we get on blister is like i don't know i'm not really trying to be edifying it's just like trying to be accurate and in depth and detailed but i i really personally see this as a very nice compliment to the long full reviews that do go and get into the weeds and so i think these things play pretty nicely together yeah i think i mean what stood out to me is even though i haven't been biking for nearly as long as most of our reviewers i've been fairly involved in the industry just having worked at blister and even more so this year but like i'm still every time dylan turns in a new bike item like i didn't know those four bikes existed like there are just so many brands and so many bikes that like even like i consider myself fairly up to date and I'm still learning new things every single time. So I, there will certainly be people who are like, yes, I already knew that. Like I could find this on the brand's website, but I, I've found even like, I've personally found these more useful than I expected to, which I think is a good sign. David, any particular takeaways or trends that you've noticed while putting eyes on this guide and as we've been doing our back and forth on these things. Yeah. So kind of going in hand with what Luke just said, I guess I personally am kind of paying most attention to and spending most of my time on bikes from kind of longer travel enduro bikes through downhill bikes and have been a little less up to date on the shorter travel XC and trail end of things and just 
have, like Luke, realized that there are a bunch of bunch more bikes out there in that kind of category than I realized. And there have been stuff that I wasn't super up on that I've seen in these. And so it's been a little bit of a reminder for me that uh, my own personal focus is not quite the entirety of the mountain bike market out there. And that's been a good reminder, I guess. Something that I noticed for this year is it seems like a lot of the bigger, more mainstream brands are adopting a lot of the different styles and geometries that smaller brands have been using the past couple of years. And looking at a lot of the different brands, there are a ton of bikes that are super similar. And it basically just comes down to the brand itself and their own spin on what they're all trying to accomplish. Initially, we wanted to do about three to five direct competitors from other companies for each bikes. But when I was going through it, I felt like I was playing favorites if I didn't have at least like 10 in there because there are some bikes, for instance, the new Santa Cruz Tallboy V4 that I can only come up with about four or five comparisons of just because it's a pretty unique bike. But then you get into that new like long travel Enduro 29er and I find myself making connections between 15, 20 different bikes. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind that all of these companies are able to sell all of their bikes because people have so many options to choose from in like every single category from dozens of different brands. Um, I guess it's made me realize how much bigger mountain biking actually is than I guess I thought it was. I usually only think of like maybe 10 brands typically, but there's so much more than that and every single one of them makes like five to 15 models. It's crazy. Dylan, what else are you seeing that is particularly kind of jumping out at you from sort of a macro level? Yeah. So in recent years, there's been quite a growth in the market of direct to consumer sales in the bike world, rather than what you would call indirect, you know, walking into a bike shop and buying through them rather than from the company itself. And it's pretty crazy the differences in price between these bikes and what you would get from a shop. A lot of the kits you'd have to pay an extra couple grand for. And I thought that was pretty crazy looking at Comensal, YT, Canyon, and Comensal specifically didn't even start out direct. They uh, started doing through shops and kind of saw this trend and jumped on it pretty early. I didn't know Comensal switched to that later on. It, does it seem like are most brands now doing a mix of direct-to-consumer and dealer, or is it pretty much an either-or type thing? It's mostly either-or, from what I can tell. couple brands come to mind, like Trek. I worked at a Trek dealer, and you can buy a Trek online and have it shipped to a Trek dealer. Oh, okay. And, you know, the dealer doesn't get anything other than building the bike for you. And other than that, it's kind of either or. And yet it sure seems like 
I can think of a bunch of companies are still that are still selling only through shops and um, seem to be doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to mirror the ski industry pretty equally almost. Like we're seeing more direct-to-consumer ski brands, but the vast majority of the really big brands are still only sold through shops. But it's it seems like it's becoming more of a mix nowadays. Yeah, and I don't want to demean any local bike shops or anything. I still think buying through a local bike shop is super important for your community and for rider support. And I don't think that itself will ever die because it's such a super important part of the bike industry. But it, I think the trend will continue to go direct. Luke, you look like you have a question. Yeah, so we, we just got done talking about how all these different brands make all sorts of bikes. But one thing I'm curious about is after looking through almost the entire market, are there any brands that are notably lacking in a certain category, like XC or Downhill? Or are there any brands that like really go heavy, like multiple bikes, they're all like in the same trail class or something like that? I've noticed a couple brands are pretty heavy on the downhill side. For instance, I'm going to bring up Komen Sol again. Their lineup basically starts with a hardtail with a 150-160 mil fork. And then they have three downhill bikes. And then there's other companies that don't have a downhill bike. But I would say all companies are pretty even anywhere from 120 mil trail bikes to those long travel enduro or free ride bikes. Something that I thought was really interesting is Scott doesn't have a single 27.5 bike in their lineup this year. They have a lot of bikes that you can change the kit to a 27.5, but all of their stock bikes come with 29ers as of now. And I thought that was super interesting. And I guess one thing I'd add to that, that I think, uh, broadly speaking, the direct-to-consumer brands, Comensal being one of them at this point, but uh, this holds true for most of them, have generally a little bit less broad lineups with fewer bikes in them. And that often sort of shows up as them not having things like a really dedicated XC race bike, like Comenzal doesn't, YT doesn't, et cetera. And it kind of seems like part of what they're doing to try to compete on price a bit is not offer quite such a huge lineup of bikes and just focus on sort of more the middle part of the market, I guess. Are we seeing kind of a 50-50 break when it comes to things like SRAM versus Shimano components or RockShox versus Fox when it comes to suspension? Like how 50-50 are these things or not 50-50? SRAM's clearly got way more of the drivetrain market on complete bikes. Suspension's probably closer to 50-50, especially at the higher end. 
uh, probably starts trending more rock shocks as you get cheaper. Any other kind of brand generalizations like that? Like what about when it comes to rubber? From what I see, it's at least three-fourths Maxis from everything. I think Maxis basically dominates the tire market in terms of mountain biking. Um, exceptions to that, Specialized, Trek, they both do in-house tires. So they're going to stock that with their Bontrager and Specialized tires. But everything else seems to have uh, Maxis rubber on it. What about mullet bikes? Are we uh, are we seeing everybody jump on the, the mullet bandwagon yet? Yeah, so for those who don't know, a mullet bike is a bike that has two different wheel sizes. And now in the world of 29ers making their debut on basically every bike, there's a lot of 29 in the front, 27.5 in the back, sort of experimenting going on and you know talk of it people doing some DIY jobs but there's only one bike that I've seen from the brands that we've covered so far and it's the Intense Primer S it has a 29 inch front and 27.5 plus rear which I find unique in two ways not only that it's a mullet bike but it has a wider rear tire than a front tire, which is pretty rare. Yeah, that seems pretty bizarre. That's really, <laughs> really weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't told you guys this yet, but uh, I've actually been doing my own experimenting with wheel sizes. So right now I'm running uh, 29 in the back and 26 up front. And I call it the badonkadonk. <laughs> what bike are you doing this on? <laughs> well, I'm not actually doing it, but I just thought, I just really like to be over that, you know, front wheel. Like, I really like to be over that front Always wheel. Always headed downhill. Always headed downhill. And, and then I just really on the fly here, I thought badonkadonk is actually an amazing name for that bike. So just in case that becomes a thing, you know where that originated, right here. In all reality... That used to be a thing in road racing. Smaller front wheel lets you get a little bit closer to the guy in front of you. I, I'm just taking it from the road to the trail, to the Rocky Rudy off camber. <laughs> yeah, the badonkadonk. I feel like that ended up in a lot of OTBs. <laughs> so if, you know, bike manufacturers listening, you're, you can have the name, first person, first manufacturer to uh, build that. You, you're welcome. You can have that name. So on that, I think that's probably a cue that our work here is definitely done. But yeah, I think this was a good opportunity to just talk a bit about why we were doing this, what kind of the aim was, and hopefully that clears up some, if there was any confusion or something from folks. And hopefully we've made the case for why this can be a pretty useful tool. So on that, we're going to keep rolling these different brand guides out and yeah thank god dylan broke himself in half plus we got a massive ski buyer's guide out of our lives so you guys will be finding more of these on the site we invite you to check them out and let us know what you think so on that note i'm gonna go back and do some tinkering on my 
Badonkadonk 2926er. I bet it's really good for like wheelie drops. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing else. Yeah. 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 Well, that's all Jonathan does on his bike, anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just manualing down <laughs> Captain Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say it sounds like a good way to break your pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you. Uh, always fun, and I'll talk to you all real soon. Cool. Thanks for having us. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas, and we hope that you will now go check out our mountain bike brand guides at blisterreview.com and give us your feedback as we keep rolling out guides to the lineups of more mountain bike companies. With that, I'd like to thank Luke Alley for producing this episode, and I'd like to say thanks to you for listening. Until next time, please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.